Omar, these conversations are all about introducing promising startups to the best VCs in the country and giving them an understanding of how do you actually effectively build business case to those VCs, how to get their attention, how to be able to conduct their first meeting, and ultimately, how do I convert into the second meeting? So the business development of building a pipeline for VCs. And I'm really grateful you have a chance to spend time with us. Omar, can you tell me just a little bit about specifically about your fund, about the size of the fund, the type of checks that you write in the fund? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, Alex, thank you for having me. Agritech and Foodtech analyst in a fund called Champel Capital, uh, where VC fund located in Jerusalem, Israel. We've been working in the last five years only investing in Israeli companies. In the last year, we started investing in Agritech and Foodtech. So right now we're managing $50 million dollars. And the average check size that we're dealing with is between two to three million dollars. It depends what's the size of the company, et cetera. Amazing. And say I'm an entrepreneur and I'm trying to understand if your fund is the right one for me to go to. And typically I speak to seed, pre-seed and A. How do I actually know that information? Is it that I go to your website? Is it that there's a listing that I can identify? Well, this is the right size of fund. And this is the type of checks that we typically cut. I think in general, it's very good to make some basic market research on the VC that you're going to meet, because when you have more power, first of all, you know how to approach them better, and they usually appreciate that you know who you're dealing with. So I think, first of all, it's going into the website and see what kind of deals they had before. If you're getting into the website, checking the info online, you can see approximately on which stage they invested in, because they don't usually say. And you have some websites like PitchBook or Crunchbase, which the fund will actually mention what is exactly the stage of debt with, and sometimes even how much money they're investing. When I'm doing research on the site, and I go to your website, and then clearly, obviously, it's not always going to be said clearly, but are there some keywords I'm looking for that will give me a sense of understanding what stage you're investing in or size of check? I think it differs from... With the different VCs, um, I don't even know when I know VCs and I know on some of their deals, I still don't know what's the exact details of the other deals. So I always recommend uh, getting uh, maybe from Startup Nation or PitchBook or not exactly paying for something, but even the free websites, uh, because from the website, from the VCs website, you can't understand it alone. Only what company is it? And if you combine it with in the news when every company raises around so you can cross match it and see exactly. Got it. Okay. Maybe I'll find the company that you invested in on your portfolio page because usually you'd have a portfolio page that companies invested in and yeah, I would go crunch base and I'd see how much money they recently raised. And then that'll kind of give me a sense of where you might be investing at what stage. Exactly. Okay. Awesome. So say like I found that your FUD is the right one for me and, and just so our listeners know, typically with the size of a two, three million size check, typically this is already a post-seed or like a seed A round. Where, where, where do you see yourself personally? So in the last five years, we had a, our first fund and our second fund. So in the first fund, we invested in different stages. It was between seed to series B. Uh-huh. Now with our second fund, when we have mostly two to three million dollars check size, so it's usually post-seed or series A and not before or later. Got a cool. So that gives a lot of context here. So say I want to be able to build a relationship with you, right? And I want to be able to have catch your attention. As an analyst, can you tell me a little bit about how do you judge your KPIs? If, can you give us a little insight into 
Of course, you know, you may have an entrepreneur says, I want to talk to the founder of the fund or the partner, but how can I leverage an analyst in my understanding of if this is the right type of fit for my company? And what are your personal KPIs? Okay. So first of all, every VC fund is structured differently. So some of them have associates and have different VPs or C-levels. So in any case, when you're meeting an analyst, it's good to make sure that you're giving a great impression on the analyst because he'll know exactly how to push you up the ladder if you have the right fit. Now, when you're presenting something to an analyst and you're getting your first meeting, so there are mostly seven or eight subjects you need to deal with. So it's mostly who is the team, what's the problem, the solution, how big is the market, how are you going to approach it, competitive landscape, and technology. That's most of it. And now you should listen to what kind of questions is he asking, because if he's asking more questions about the technology, you can understand that's his most interesting KPIs, and that's where the analyst wants to go to. If the analyst asks more questions, it means he's getting interested. And that's the main thing you should focus on in the first meeting. Now, personally, for me, I know that if it's a deep technology, if it's a big market, if it looks like a great solution. Cool. And then what are your personal KPIs? How does an analyst get compensated? Your performance. Like, so what do you care about personally? Like, what is your, kind of, if you look at your sales, like, for example, for me and in business development, I get paid a base salary and I also get paid commission, right? For every meeting I set up. So my interest, right? I'm judged on the quality of meetings that I set up that drive to pipeline in the business. So for an analyst, right? What are the pain points or the things that you care about in your own job? Okay, so usually with most VCs, they're trying to tie everyday work to the success of the fund. So personally, we're getting bonuses that their size can change. It relates to how much the companies you bring are succeeding. So if you brought a great company and you're getting the bonus because everyone agreed it's a great company, if eventually this company fails, so the bonus stayed the same, some companies may even take in part of it. But if you did all of that and the company appears to be great, so your bonus can eventually be two times, three times bigger. So for us, when you say really bonus, the best companies. Are you talking about the best companies and the best companies, meaning the companies you as an analyst get compensated if the company you bring gets funding? Is that what would you say where your bonus structure would be? Yes, I can say it's mainly for two parts. The first part is if it gets our funding, so it usually gets bonus. It means that it went through all of our resources of analysts and experts and fund managers. So they give me a bonus for doing a good job, not wasting everyone's time and bringing really good companies. And the second part is after a few years, if the company succeeds, you're getting a bigger bonus on how the company really got to eventually. And the success is determined by an exit or a buyout or success means going to the next round? Uh, buyouts and exits. Usually. God, that's, that's the two metrics that we care about. Yeah, Understood. Exactly. So if I'm reaching out to you and I understand, look, your priorities are finding companies that will eventually get funded that by your VC. And then that is driving the conversation. How can I get your attention? Like, how can I get your, if I'm reaching out to you, typically, is there a medium that you're typically on more phone? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Twitter? Is it an email? Because again, you're probably getting quite a lot of outreach being sent to you on a daily basis. Would that be accurate? Or are those channels still pretty open for an analyst rather than the partner? 
So I think it's more open with analysts. Usually if you send a partner a message on LinkedIn, he won't see it because he's getting tons of it. You can definitely try and maybe you should. It doesn't guarantee anything as an analyst, which is his job to understand all the opportunities. I think you can send a message on LinkedIn. That's good. You can send an email. I think the most important part is to keep it brief and interesting. So you have the main points. And if I get interested and I decide to know more, so you can attach maybe the investor's deck. So if you're sending an email or a message that is very long, then it's the first thing I see. Sometimes I might not even read it because I say, okay, maybe I'll get to it later. I don't know when it gets lost in the mail. But if you send something that is brief, something that you can scatter like five, six sentences, and you can understand whether it's interesting or not. So I think it's getting the attention way, way better. So Oren, can you break down maybe a recent email that you received or a LinkedIn message that's like the format, like what was the subject line? Like how did they catch your attention on the subject line? Maybe what was the, those five lines? I mean, obviously I understand you can't go into particular of the company, but maybe you can just highlight to us. Okay. If you want my attention, if you want Omer Bohbot, Bohbot, yeah, exactly. uh, attention, I want you to write this for me. Okay. This is what has to be for you to understand that I'm going to at least reply to you. I'm not going to say I'm going to meet with you, but I can at least reply to you. What are those things that mm-hmm. you want to see? And then how would they know that without having to first listen to this conversation? What are the research that we need to do in order to be able to get there? Okay, so I would say that when you're addressing a, a specifically a VC fund, so you can assume that they know the basics about most of the problems in the food tech or agri-tech world. So when you're sending the few sentences, you should mention which exact problem you're dealing with, not writing again, I can see it again. At 2050, there are going to be 10 billion people in the yeah, world. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. If you tell me, if I hear one more thing about carbon emissions, I'm yeah. literally going to go eat another burger. I would rather <laughs> well. you tell me carbon emissions, I'm going to literally order another burger bar. <laughs> Just to spite you. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. So for example, would it be like with an email like right now, 75 to 95% of the cost of seller agriculture is in cost of medium? We have the ability to replace bovine serum with a plant-based alternative, reduces the cost by a factor of 100 or 95. Would you like to learn more? Is that, is that the type of like specificity that you want or you want something else? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's exactly that. And maybe if you can add a little bit more about what round is it, like is it the C, the Series A, or even how much you're raising if we see that you send this kind of message and we see that it's in our range of investments, so we immediately send an email back, okay, let's set up a meeting. And if we need to ask a lot of follow-up questions, so sometimes you don't get to all of them. Okay, so let's go back again. What's the subject line? A raising Series A, bovine alternative, fetal bovine alternative serum, or is, is that what you want? Series, yeah, exactly like that. Raising Series A for uh, solving pollination problems. Okay, boom. So that, let's just say, subject line, give me just where you're at in the raise and then tell me what problem you're solving. And then you go into, hi, Omer, what do you want to hear in those five sentences? So I think it's the main issue. You can write, like, I think the irrigation is not good enough. There is a lack of smart irrigation and it's worth a $50, $500 billion market. Yep. We're offering a solution that is tackling exactly X and Y, we can save up to 50% of the cost. And now we're raising Series A, raising $15 million. 
I think like these four lines. So for you on the very ROI related conversation, like give me numbers slash ROI. I don't need any like pretty thing. I don't need you to tell me we both went to the same school together or yay, we both went to the army, you know, and oh, we both like hockey. You just want to make my job really easy. All I care about right now is I want to find the top companies that are raising Series A that need to raise $2 million in ag and food tech that can give me an ROI. Please help me figure that out. That's yeah, what so, you want, right? So it's very important to mention that if you know them in any way, like even being in the same school or something, I personally think it's very good to write it. If you like the same soccer team, so don't, because it's really not relevant and not, and trying to make like, I don't know, a bit of phony or false connection. And I think you need in five sentences to show that you're relevant and that you're interesting. Got it. And the interesting is about the ROI could be this. So we're solving this massive problem with the market being this size. That's what interesting is. Or we have our graduates come from this type of universities. Like that's where the interesting is. So it's mostly about it's a big problem. We have a great solution. Got it. Now take this meeting, right? You come to the meeting to have the conversation with a company, right? What is going to happen in that meeting? And what does the entrepreneur have to do in order for you to bring it up to your management? Like how do they convince you to become a champion for them. Okay, so I think I've mentioned before, like what's the seven, eight topics you usually need in the first meeting. So I won't say it again. I think it's very important that every time you're presenting a subject, you give them a little bit of time to ask questions to see if that's really what they're interested in. Because, you know, in every different subject, like the market or technology, you can dive in for hours. It's your job. And if you're diving in, so let's say, for example, they're not interested yet on how deep in the technology is, but you're talking about technology for 30 minutes you might bore them. So you really need to have between, I'd say, like if you need to be precise with numbers, four to seven minutes on every of the subjects that I mentioned before, like team, market, problem, solution, and they expand it if they're starting asking questions. So God, and do you want him to do discover? Typically, like when I get trained in sales development, a lot of the conversation starts with like an upfront contract. Like, look, we have half an hour together still. And over the next half hour, I want to share with you a little bit about kind of the solution that we're solving our team, the market size. And I hope at the end of that conversation, that you feel like there is enough fit for us, this conversation is going to go one of two ways. Either you're going to see there's a fit and then our next conversation could be scheduled by managing partners or alternatively, you'll tell us, no, there's no fit and we'll move on as friends. Is that okay with you? Do you like those upfront contracts at the beginning of the conversation? Do you like having an entrepreneur who sets steps about kind of at the end of this call or the end of this meeting, we want to see one of two things happen. Is that an appropriate way of doing that or you prefer something else? So I don't think it's good to have something that is very deterministic in the first few sentences. So I think it's very good to set some expectations, like give a brief of what you're going to talk about, like what you're going to do, like on the content that you're speaking of. Usually, I don't think that VCs like to be told at the end of this meeting, I expect for one, two, or three. So tell me then, how does a company ensure that there's going to be next steps from your experience? Because I've spoken to certain early stage companies, they have a meeting with the VC and then he ghosts them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Within, Unfortunately, uh, it happens a lot. Yeah. Right. It's not ghosts. Like, you know, you could just say, look, there's no fit. Our marketing thesis is different. How do we get clarity from a VC and avoid being ghosted and just either one way or another? Okay. So I think it's important to say that if there's an investor in Futech and Actech, it's because they like the subjects, they're interested in general. 
that's like something that occupies them, that's something they read about. So I think the most important thing to do, like I mentioned before, let them ask questions because that's the way they seem interested. For example, if they're talking a lot about what's exactly the value you can give in the specific market. So if they ask a couple of questions about that, you can say, and by the way, I have this great thing to show you, or I have someone that you should talk with that can explain you even more about it. So and if at the end of the meeting, you give them some kind of teasers to where they should dive in next. So they're going to be interested and they want to schedule the next meeting for sure. Can you give me an example of that? What would that sound like? What stage does that teaser come? Is that the beginning? Is it towards the end, towards the middle? Where do we make that teaser then we can come back to having that look? If that's interesting for you, let's have next steps. Okay, I think you can do this teaser only at the end because during the meeting, you're only realizing what interests them and whatnot. And if, for example, they find the technology interesting, and so at the end, you can tell them a very good idea is to invite them to the offices or to see if there's something physical to see, to taste even better. So I think it's very important to do it at the end of the meeting and to say, if we'll have next steps or next meetings, that's what we're going to offer. Like in the old drama, telenovelas, what's going to be in the next episode, give them teasers. Amazing. So give them a teaser for what look like so. And you got to already have set up some of this teaser. So come to our lab, come taste something, or we have... Or come to talk with someone who was responsible on the technology specifically, or I don't know, come to talk with one of our design partners. This is so amazing. This is a huge gift. What happens after the first meeting when entrepreneur leaves the room? What actually happens? What happens after that meeting is over? Meaning that first meeting is over, you go back to the office. How do you make determination if this is the right company to introduce to your partners? Okay, I think that's that's a good question. So usually we're not doing these meetings alone. Why? Because we always like another perspective on a company. So usually when you finish the meeting, you ask, what do you think? And it's never, what do you think specifically about something? And you ask the other partner or yourself, what do you think? And then usually people answer, I don't know about the market or I'm excited about the technology, or that's usually the conversation between us. I think it's a little bit more about the feelings we got from it. Like, do we get the right vibe from the entrepreneurs? Do they look serious? Am I excited about the solution or it seems like a plain solution that I don't care if it will be in the market or not? And eventually, like processing all these thoughts, we have a profile that we're given for every company. So we have a lot of different uh, subjects that we need the answer. So what's their R&D status? How big really is their market? You know, like marking everything down. I think in general, if I get very interested after the meeting and I get very excited, so I dive more into how big is the market really and to understand everything more. Okay, so this is, wow. We only have another two, three minutes left. So giving us so much. Is that a CRM that you go back to? And then yeah. you have basically boxes that says, box number one, team, grade one to 10, size of market team. One Is that like a formula that you're filling out to show you the kind of the value of a company? What does that CRM even look like? Yeah, so we have this kind of CRM and uh, we are marking down all of our thoughts and all of the ideas, you know? So we have these guidelines like for team technology, but because the companies are so different from each other, so it's not exact like market box or not, it's really writing down everything like in general on the subject. 
So we have this kind of CRM and we're adding which stage with this company, if it's too early for us, if it's not. I think for us, it's also really, really important to be in good manners with everyone. So if we decide we don't want to invest, we're writing an email or talking and even sometimes we're saying why. We don't successfully always do it because it's really hard and you have so many companies and sometimes we miss and we had to mess up with it, but we really try our best. Is it okay for an entrepreneur to say, look, we really enjoyed the time with you. Would it be a right if I check in a week if you want to take on that teaser or not? How can an entrepreneur can increase the chances of him actually getting a response from you about next steps? Yes or no? If it's a no, why it's a no? What can he do in order to kind of increase the likelihood of you committing to some form of next step, either it's a yes or no? Mm-hmm. So I think if they're not getting back to you, it really depends what the size of the fund, right? Because we are a smaller fund, you know, $50 million, if you compare it to, I don't know, $2 billion VCs you have. So with us, if we're not answering after a week, so you should ask, hey, what do you think about, do you want to meet the guy from technology? Do you think we can schedule it? But it's important not to put pressure on the VC. Because if you want results fast, so VCs tend to say first no before yes. Because eventually, I don't know actually how many VCs every startup meets, but you know, we're investing eventually in 3% of the companies, 2% of the companies we meet. So we are meeting so many companies and we have so much on our plate all the time. So you shouldn't put a lot of pressure on the VC to focus, only like an email if you like it's an appropriate time, at least a week. Amazing. Well, Maria, this has been such a huge gift you've given to the community. I think any entrepreneur who listens to this would get a lot of insights into how you think and what you care about and how you make decisions. And grateful on behalf of the entire community, the sales development community, helping us understand your thinking process, brother. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Elmer.